This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Man's Podcast, episode 108. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, tribe? We're back for another installment and I'm fresh off of a seven day water fast. Now, if you've been keeping up with my journey for the past maybe two or three episodes, then you know that I'm on a seven day water only fast, meaning no food, no drinks, no nothing. And I'm finally done. People have been asking me if I would do it again. And at first, like right before I broke the fast up until maybe a day or two after the fast, the answer was most likely no. But now I'm here about three days after the fast and I think I could do it again. I think the fast has shown me a lot about myself and some of my mindset beliefs. Like guys, when you don't eat for seven days, you discover a ton about yourself and who you are and what you're made of. So today I'm talking to Tyrone, Tyrone Jackson, about mindset, about reprogramming that mindset for success, for wins, for wealth, right? Now, Tyrone is a stock market trader, a mentor, a bestselling author, and he's built his reputation on his unique ability to trade in the stock market. So on today's show, we kind of talk about the inner workings of our mind and why we have the natural tendency to just shy away from money, right? And we talk about some of the mindset blocks that we maybe grew up with and how to start cultivating a better mindset and some exercises that we could actually do to create a better money mindset. So we're doing a lot of reprogramming on this episode, guys. And last but not least, we talk about how to choose stocks, how to know if you're investing right, how to build wealth through trading stocks. Again, there's a difference between just simply sending your money to a money manager and actually actively trading stocks. And we're going to talk about that. One of my favorite parts of the episode is kind of just talking about how to visualize your destiny. And it kind of brought me back to the fact that I used to do visualizations and somewhere along the line, I kind of stopped doing those. So I want to get back to that focus because I know how important visualizations are in our day-to-day lives, especially in the morning when you first wake up and you haven't yet started your day and any and everything is possible for the day. It's just crazy how everything stems from the mind. So again, this is why I kind of love this episode, just reprogramming our mind. I mean, even my seven day fast, that was a challenge, right? But that was all mental. Literally, it was all mental. There was nothing physical about that fast. There's nothing physical about hunger, right? It's all mental. Speaking of challenges, this show is brought to you by my 5K challenge over at beforethemillions.com forward slash 
Okay. Now this is yet another challenge, a challenge in which you can get started in real estate and start putting five to 10 K in your pocket because you've created a system to leverage contracts. So if you want to learn more about that, head over to before the millions.com forward slash five K. So you're getting contracts and scripts and you're getting videos every few days that teach you exactly how you're going to be able to complete this challenge. So download guys, download this new programming, head over to before the millions.com forward slash five K. Me personally, guys, I'm always trying to upload new information into my mental processor. That's why I read so many books a year and it's imperative. Anyways, guys, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and subscribe so that you're notified every single time we drop a new episode. And while you're at it, leave us a review. It helps so much more than you know. Last but not least, let's connect socially. Let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Lalia, D-A-R-A-Y-O-L-A-L-E-Y-E. So drop me a DM on Instagram and let's connect. Okay, now let's get into the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so let me start by saying that this is not illegal. Now, it may be, what's the word, deceiving, but this is not illegal. So they get away with it. They're allowed to do it. Okay, now some of these mutual fund companies, they like to show what is called an advertised or an average rate of return as opposed to an actual rate of return. So imagine if you invested $10,000 in a mutual fund. At the end of that year, you end up earning 100% on your money. So you would now have $20,000, 10,000 plus 10,000. In year two, your mutual fund doesn't do so well and you lose 50% of your money. So you're back down to that original 10,000. The same exact two things happen in year three and year four. So in year three, the market goes up, you earn 100% again, and now you have $20,000 again. But in year four, market doesn't do so hot. The mutual fund loses 50% and you are back down to the original $10,000 that you started with in year one. So what does this actually look like on paper? And what do they advertise that it looks like? Well, you know, and I know that you got zero dollars, like you didn't make any money over the past four years, like you literally have the exact same amount that you had in year one. But what they're allowed to advertise is that you had a 25% return because that is actually your average rate of return. That is 100% plus negative 50% plus 100% plus negative 50% divided by four years. So they're allowed to advertise that, hey, yeah, this mutual fund is earning an average of 25% rate of return, when in actuality, they've made you $0 on your money. Now, once you factor in taxes, fees, volatility, and lost opportunity costs, I mean, you're losing a whole lot more money than zero, but they're advertising 25%. So be sure you know what your actual rate of return is versus your average rate of return or the advertised rate of return. This will bring you peace of mind. Now, since this show is primarily talking about stock trading and the stock market, there is a way to invest in real estate through stocks. And these are called real estate investment trusts, otherwise known as REITs, R-E-I-T-S. Now, these REITs can house a ton of different real estate deals. So you're not going to buy a single family home or even an apartment complex. You're going to buy shares of a portfolio so that you are part owner, you own a certain percentage of the shares as opposed to outright owning your own property. Now, I not only invest in property, I also invest in REITs as well, real estate investment trusts. 
Now, the way I go about investing in REITs is through a financial technology company called Fundrise. Now, I've been investing with Fundrise since 2017, and my actual returns to date are about 7%, which is not bad. I mean, with Fundrise, you have the ability to kind of change your portfolio mix, right? So right now I'm invested in a total of 163 active projects, half of which I have a debt position and half of which I have an equity position. Now with a company like Fundrise, you get access to different types of real estate investment trusts. Again, REITs or different funds. Funds work very similar to REITs. So let's just say I'm looking for appreciation. I'm looking for growth. I may want to invest all of my money or a large amount of my money into a growth REIT. But let's just say I'm looking to quit my job and I want more passive cash flow. I want more income. I can invest in an income REIT. The difference between these two REITs is that one is focused on appreciation while the other one is focused on income. You may look at my modest 7% and be like, well, I know a ton of portfolios outperforming that. But you also have to look at the goal of what that investment is doing. Again, I may be looking for an income play while you're looking for an appreciation play. There are even geographical REITs like the East Coast REITs and the West Coast REITs. There's an LA fund and you can diversify in all these REITs and funds. So again, I'm invested in about 163 different active projects. Some are doing really, really well and they're and they have returns of 16.5%. Some are doing really, really crappy and they have returns of 6.5%. I highly um, recommend Fundrise. I think the minimum investment is maybe 500 or $1,000 and you're on your way. You can start putting your money into real estate in a way that is very, very passive for you. You literally don't have to do anything but log in every once in a while. And the platform, the interface is beautiful. You'll love it. Again, if you want to learn more about Fundrise, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Fundrise. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Tyrone, how's it going? It's great, DeRay. I'm thrilled to be here. Believe me. Maybe take us back a little bit and talk about the inception of Mr. Tyrone Jackson. Absolutely. Well, first of all, one of the things I want to emphasize is I own real estate, right? But I make most of my money in the stock market. And wealth is not either true wealth. What I have learned is not either this or that. It's both and right? And so you do want to own some real estate while you're making millions in the stock market as well. For me, the whole journey began, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, Whenever I speak in front of large groups, I always ask people to give a round of applause to single moms, really hard job. And not only like most people, that's where I got my introduction to my early beliefs, but I got my early introduction to beliefs around money. And for some reason, DeRay, which I cannot explain, you know, we all arrive on this planet with different missions and different soul purposes, but I just always loved money. I always loved wealth. I was so curious about it. Uh, I grew up in federally subsidized housing with my single mother who did everything she could just to make ends meet month to month to month to month. We were really poor, but I didn't know that because my mother taught me values like keep the apartment clean and this is how you conduct yourself and act like you've been somewhere. You know, so, so I was acting like you know we were someone from a very early age. When it came to money, though, my mother didn't have a financial education. So all she knew, in other words, her beliefs were very limited. So the best money advice she could give me was when you grow up, first of all, life's going to be really hard. But when you grow up and you get a job, 
make sure you get a job that pays overtime. Like that was the extent of her wealth coaching at that point, which was like, get an over to get a job that pays overtime. So like a government job, right? And something that was secure. But she has she used to have this very interesting saying that remember, even though you get a job that pays overtime, the more you make, the more they take, meaning the government. So how's this for programming, like the way I was programmed, hey, get a job that's safe, that pays overtime. But even when you work overtime, remember, the government is still going to get you because they're going to take a significant amount of what you thought you earned. And what was really interesting to me was like, for whatever reason, that equation never made sense to me. Like, why would I be trying to get a job and make overtime? And every once in a while, in this very small apartment, we'd have people over for Labor Day or holiday. And my mother was also a great cook. And here's the deal. When, it was on a, when the holiday was on a, a Monday, everybody hated having to go back to their job the next day. So as the sun came down, it was like there was a competition in my home. Who had it worse? Oh, I hate to have to go back to that job. Oh, you think you have it bad. My supervisor's an idiot. So now they're all competing for how crappy their next day was going to be when they went back to work. So as a young person, I was like, well, I I clearly don't want that life. So a lot of things that just weren't adding up. And around 16, 17, you know, when you really started to want to buy things, uh, my mother had another rule in our house, which was, don't ask me for any extra money because we don't have any. Don't ask me. We don't have any. Right. So, so you learned like, if you want something, you better figure out how to get it because the rule was mom doesn't have any money. So I wound up taking my allowance and aging myself a little bit, but there were things called bookstores back then. And I would go buy like an $8 book on like, what is a mutual fund? Because I knew there had to be a way to millions because I would see immigrants come here. They would be in federally subsidized housing. Then they had a car. Then they had a house. And like, they were moving on and we were stuck in the same complex. So I realized as I was doing my research that there was something that went on with my belief systems about money and about wealth. Today, right, as an educator, I say I wasn't programmed for a millionaire mindset. So I had to reprogram myself to expect great things to happen in my life financially. And then I needed to learn the mechanisms to make that so, right? So it's great to go, hey, I want to make millions. But if you don't know the next three steps to take, we just left with your desire. So it was that combination of desire and how do I do this from where I am so that I can be worth millions, have a great lifestyle, change my consciousness about money and manifest exactly what I wanted to have happen in my life. I love that. And you think about the fact that at a, such a young age, you know, you're reflecting back on, on what's now 2020 for you, but you're reflecting back on some of the things that were instilled in you at such a young age, you know, don't ask, the more you make, the more they take. Uh, a lot of these philosophies that I think many of us kind of grow up with, like, subconsciously, not even realizing that these are the guiding principles in our lives. And, you know, most of us, we never find you know, sure. We never break out of that system. We never even discovered that there's another way. But from a young age, you always had this, I guess, this innate yearning for there has to be another way. There has to be something else. And I'm going to try to figure that out. So you started going to bookstores and you started educating yourself. And I know that 
this wasn't the beginning of like, I know that this wasn't the end of the story to where you're just like, okay, I figured it out. And I now know that I need to change my mindset to become wealthy. I know that you had many trials and tribulations through this point. So let's talk about maybe your early twenties and some of the things that you started to do to maybe create a better money mindset, but more importantly, start creating wealth for yourself and your family. Yes. The, the, uh, I used to, you know, some of it was, was just instinct. Like when I was like a lot of teenagers, right. I would lay around in the living room and stare at the ceiling and dream about what my life would be like beyond federally subsidized housing. Now, today we call it visualization. Back then, I used to just call it thinking. My mother used to say, you're so lazy. All you do is lay around on the couch. And what she didn't realize is after all this visualizing I was doing, the car, the house that I would have and all that, I needed a nap because I had actually been working on the couch for the last 30 minutes visualizing. So as I began to learn more, I realized my mindset had to change. I needed a discipline, which I didn't know that no matter how much money I had, could I put $25 away in a savings account, which then led to a mutual fund. Um, today, I teach people wealth is a series of positive habits. But back then, I just knew if I could pretend like I had more money, right, putting some money away that would be a good first step. So the hardest thing that I had to recognize, by the way, when I went into college, I also studied psychology. So I had some inner awareness of like my thoughts and beliefs and all that. The hardest thing I had to overcome was realizing that everyone around me and my family who was poor or working class was there in part because of their programming. So like my family, like a lot, a lot of African-American families, really came from the South, right? And the people who came up North, they were broke. But whenever I'd go down South, as we used to say, like all my relatives had like homes and multiple homes, right? So I was like, well, why is it the people in the South have like homes, which is really like wealth, and the people up North are struggling? And I realized the people up North, they didn't have the skill set to make it in an urban environment. So they brought into a certain kind of programming. So my biggest challenge is, was realizing that I was programmed to think a certain way about money. And if I could just reprogram myself, right, which is hard when your parents don't have anything, if I could pretend, if I could act as if I was meant to be a millionaire, then those habits that millionaires have, I could put those in motion, like putting money away, like I said, in a mutual fund, which to me at that time at you know 21 was like, Wow, nobody in my family had a mutual fund. So it was step by step by step, reversing my habits, pretending that I was going to handle my money like millionaires handled theirs. And that then created something called momentum, right? Because all of a sudden, I remember when I was 17 years old and I had $1,700 in mutual fund. That was a lot of money, right? And I remember thinking, yeah, it's $1,700, but I'm building my empire. Why? It wasn't a dollar amount. I had tapped into the habit. And when you tap into the habit, your consciousness changes and then you can move beyond your limiting beliefs. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think about your setting and your environment at that time and the fact that you, you were a psychology major and knowing the background that we now know of you come from a single family, from a single parent home as did I and you're watching your your probably your mom put food on the table make ends meet and try to provide for her kids or try to provide for her son and as you get older you now perhaps want to take on the role to provide for mom to find a way to make a better future for your family but you don't have the guidance you don't have a mentor you don't have somebody 
a role model that's in front of you telling you, hey, make this right, make this left, don't do this, do this. You're creating, you're almost creating this world on your own. You're, you're meditating, you're visualizing, you're reading books and you get to this point in your 20s. What was your driving force? Was it your mom? Was it your family? Was it your situation? What was the driving force to make sure that you were going to find success no matter, no matter how long it took? Well, I know this is going to be hard to believe for some people, but it wasn't a grand plan. It's just all the people around me were broke, didn't seem happy. And when I was around people of means, they seemed happy. And I just didn't want to be broke and unhappy. And that is enough of a motivator to say, hey, I want to change my life. So when I was in my 20s, because what happens is, you know, there's a certain kind of, there's also a spiritual mindset to money too. And when you start to align your true desires with the universe, the universe just brings you what you want, right? So when you write down your goals and you go, I would like this to happen, and you meditate on them every single day, the universe goes, oh, because your consciousness is part of the universe. The universe goes, oh, you want to be around more rich people? So I'm just going to send more rich people your way. And then you say thank you to the universe, and then you move in that direction. So that's what I did. So what happened was when I started to embrace this new kind of thought, when everybody was going out and getting jobs, to me, it was like a fork in the road. Like, do I want to choose a job that's going to pay me? Or do I have a greater plan that allows me to make money? And it really wasn't that hard. It was just a simple series of choices. Hey, don't want to be broke. None of my broke friends seem happy. Want to be rich. Rich people seem happier. So I was just at an intersection where I could go left or go right. And I chose the wealth path which is actually ironically how I got my first piece of real estate at 23 because I didn't start out as a stock market trader. I thought for me, real estate was the first thing. So I had saved up this money, an opportunity to collaborate with a partner of mine. We put our money together and we had a quarter of a million dollar condo in Manhattan at 23. So when you shift your consciousness in the universe and you align yourself with the universe, things happen really quickly. So at 23, while most of my friends had jobs, I already had a $250,000 piece of property that I was renting to people who made even more money than I did. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I want to dissect that a little bit more and talk about why you chose the path of real estate. I mean, you had already started investing in paper assets at what the age of 17 or even before 17, because by 17, you had $1,700 saved up. What caused the shift or what made you think that real estate was the way to actually start formulating your wealth success formula? Like kind of walk us through that a little bit. True story. And my fancy, my story is not very fancy. I saw a guy on TV that said, if you want to be rich, buy my books and tapes. Well, I got $150. And again, I'm dating myself. It was like tapes. It's not like CDs. Like It was cassette tapes and a booklet, right? So I saw him on TV late at night. I was like, I want to be rich. I guess real estate is the, the way to do it because I didn't know. I bought the books and tapes. And within 90 days, I had used its formula, which was partner with somebody else, get your first property. We both had great credit because we were young. And we were collecting the rent off this property. Now, this story doesn't have immediately success because we failed at that piece of real estate. And we failed because we actually wound up renting to someone who had psychiatric problems, who couldn't pay the rent, which pushed us behind in the mortgage payment. And then my buddy was like, I can't afford to make up this mortgage without a renter. And he sold me his half of the property for $1. Right. So now I was responsible for this property, trying to get renters in, so on and so forth. And, you know, that's where I learned that, like, 
ambition is not enough. You have to understand the mechanics. So I actually bought that property from the developer, right, in Tribeca. And the developer was clear I was not able to make the mortgage payments. And that developer said, we will, if you do something called a surrender, right, you can surrender that property back to us. You sign it back over to us and we won't sue you for a quarter of a million dollars. Now, could you imagine where I came from, a quarter of a million, you won't sue me? Wow. <laughs> Sign the paperwork. And that's when I learned that like investing is much more than desire. Like you actually have that cash reserves and all of that stuff. But see, I looked at that not as failure, like, oh my God, my first piece of real estate and now I'm a failure. It was just like, yeah, it was kind of like the price of admission, right? Because I didn't have anyone to guide me. So that's when I learned about prudent reserves. And it's not, you just can't rely on the tenant paying rent. And I had a very keen realization, like it was great that I was able to buy something for $250,000, but I should have started smaller. Like I should have gone to Philly and got a $50,000 house. That mortgage payment, even if my tenant didn't make the payment, I would have been able to cover that mortgage with ease. It was only like six or $700. So I learned that my ambitions and my visualization wasn't enough that, you know, your investing endeavors have to kind of be like right-sized right? I wasn't ready for a $250,000 condo. I was ready for a $50,000 house in Philly. That way, if there were no tenants, I could make that mortgage. So see, it's again, it's about mindset, right? Like some people would view that as a failure. It wasn't a failure. I've never really failed. I've had some lessons about financially I wasn't crazy about. But as long as I see them as lessons, I can embrace them as learning experiences and then move on and rebuild. And so in my mindset that I now have, there's no such thing as failure. It's just an opportunity to learn. Now, sometimes those lessons are painful and sometimes those lessons are small and I can course correct pretty quickly. But now the way that I run my life financially and I live in two cities and you know, LA and Malibu, New York and all that, I still apply the same skill set, but I can tell if my ambition is a little too big and it's ahead of where my business is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think about your ambition at that tender age of 23 mm-hmm. and how this can, this one deal could have actually changed the trajectory of what you thought was possible for you, could have actually had you thinking like, hey, this real estate stuff is not for me. I mean, you see it happen with so many people that their first deal, if it's a terrible one, if it's a nightmare story, they often shy away from whatever it is that that was. But you persisted. And I want to talk about maybe give me the spark notes version of your real estate investing journey and mm-hmm. maybe your business journeys up until the point where you decided that it was now time to start looking into stocks. Well, what happened is I realized this is the other thing about real estate for me, right? Like I'm not handy. You know what I mean? Like I can't repair pipes under the sink. I don't know anything about roofs, uh, boiler systems. Like I own multiple homes now. And people come into my homes that I actually live in and they go, this is the boiler. And I go, okay, how does this work? Like they have to explain everything to me like I'm seven, but I'm smart enough to ultimately figure it out. But I'm also smart enough to know like what I'm not good at. So after this real estate deal didn't work out, my father who didn't live with me, who is now 80 something, right? He said to me, you know, I'm watching, you're a really ambitious guy. And he used to always say, you're really smart. And I was like, I don't know about that. But he goes, you should try the stock market. And I said, okay, how does that work? He goes, well, you buy shares in the company and you can sell them, which is called trading. And he goes, 
why don't you try that before you buy another piece of real estate? Now, the cool thing about the stock market, because the online world of stock trading had just kind of evolved, is like you didn't need $50,000. If you had $7,000, you can go down to Wall Street, you'd open an online trading account, and you'd be like in the game. So it didn't require closing costs and credit checks and attorney's fees. And I was like, okay, I will try that. And he goes, I'll tell you what, because he was in uh, senior citizen housing at the time. I used to go see him once a month. And when I go see him, he would say, I'll get some books and tapes. Again, books and tapes. And he was just like, I'll buy them for you if you are willing to learn how to trade in the stock market. And my father didn't have a lot of money, but he was very knowledgeable. So he was like, I feel like that's a better fit for you. So I gave him what I call that Scooby-Doo look. Like, whoa, good. (laughs) Showed up. We had the books and tapes. And I'm telling you, I took those books and tapes home that night because these were videos. And I've never been a brilliant math person, but that changed my life because I understood what it meant to buy something at $40 a share and sell it the next day at $41 a share. And I wasn't even there. Like I could program that trade in, right? So if I bought, you know, a hundred shares of something at 40 bucks, it's a $4,000 investment. And the next day, because the stock went up during the day, it was sold and I made a hundred dollars. That was easy, right? Because I didn't have to understand a boiler, pipes, code. There was no attorney. It was just the movement of this stock. And I said, huh, if I had a thousand shares and I bought that stock at 40 and the next day it went up to 41, I'd make a thousand dollars and the software would sell it for me. So what I discovered when I did a little bit more reflection, the reason I was attracted to real estate was for the residual income right? Tenant pays the rent, you keep what's left over, there's income coming in, mortgages are getting paid down. In the stock market, it was just residual income and no tenant. Well, that was easy, right? Because now everything that I'm good at, which is buying something and deciding when to sell it, that's my skill set. So that's when the market came into my life. And I realized that everyone who's a billionaire, right? is not flipping houses on the weekend. They are all in the stock market. So what's the old saying? You want to do, you want to become something? Do what millionaires do. You want to be a billionaire? Do what billionaires do. Why? Because wealth and success in the end is nothing but a series of positive habits. So rather than looking at real estate as failure, it was an opportunity which led me to the stock market which ironically still led me back to owning real estate, but real estate I could afford. But most of my wealth comes from the stock market. It's been a fantastic journey in that way. You've kind of flipped it on its head a little bit. You know, most people would say that, you know, once you get to a certain point, that's when you want to start diversifying. That's when you want to start, you know, playing the stock market game and things of that nature. But you use the stock market to build your wealth. As simple as a lot of us think it is to use real estate to build wealth, because it's like, you know, people always say it's like the dumb man's way to wealth. You've used what seems to be a complicated subject matter and you've made it simple and you've used that as your vehicle to wealth because you see that the risk assessment on that, as opposed to real estate and tenants, uh, was, was slightly in favor for you and your situation and your outlook on what was risk. So many professionals invest in the stock market, whether it's through their 401k or some of these plans that their companies have. But they're not using it to build wealth. They're using it to save and hope that one day they're, they're prepared for retirement. So we want to talk about how you've been able to be so successful at investing in the stock market. And again, I want, to, want you to distinguish between stock trading and mm-hmm. maybe simply 
putting your money in a 401k plan? Okay, great question. So I tend to teach people how to trade uh, in the stock, trade and invest in the stock market from what I call the Sesame Street approach, right? And I tell people what you don't realize is if you went to the fourth grade, you could be rich because all wealth really is fourth grade math. It's addition and subtraction. Okay, so when I placed my first trade and I bought, some, and I bought something and I had the software sell it for me, I was hooked. I didn't have to go anywhere. Also, I'd just say for me, the stock market played to my skill set. Like I said, I don't know how to fix a leaky roof, but I do know how to count. <laughs> so I had that in my favor. So what I had to learn was, and this is why a lot of people think the stock market is so scary, because it does require a financial education. But every game that you want to be successful at requires a financial education or requires an education. So for example, you know, there's a system to winning Monopoly, right? You can go online, Google how to win at Monopoly, and there's a system that somebody's worked out. There's a system for winning at tic-tac-toe. Most of us know you dominate the quarters, you get the corner, you're the X, the other guy is the O, you have a greater probability of winning. So in the stock market, there's a system to being successful. It's not that hard. This is that most people who are really wealthy don't have the vested interest in explaining it to other people because there's some limited beliefs of like, oh my God, if I show you, I make less. Not true. Because my true nature as a human being is if I discover something great, I'm going to tell you, particularly if you're a friend of mine, it was very natural for me to explain what I learned in the stock market. So here's like the big secret that can help make you rich, right? And when I say rich and wealth, I mean financial freedom in five years or less, some measurement of financial freedom five years or less. In the stock market, there are 30 stocks that are stable that have solid earnings, and they lead the market. And they're part of something called an index. And this index is known as the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It was created by two guys who just wanted to look at the top 30 stocks that lead the market. And one guy's last name was Dow, and the other guy's last name was, you guessed it, Jones, right? And they said, if we just track these 30 stocks, they represent how the market's doing overall. So what are some of the stocks, speaking of financial education, in the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Companies like most of us know. Verizon, Apple, McDonald's, Johnson & Johnson, Visa, right? These are companies that have established earnings, and when they go up, they pull the market up. When they go down, they pull the market down. Well, what makes a stock price go higher? Generally speaking, revenue, the amount of money that a company is actually bringing in. So what would happen if you only purchase stocks where revenue was rising? And what if you looked at stocks as dates? These are not companies you're going to fall in love with, but you're just going to buy some shares every time they report their revenue, which is on a quarterly basis. If it continues to rise, you will buy more shares. If the revenue goes down, you won't buy more shares, right? So I teach in the Wealthy Investor Program, look at stocks as dates, right? Most of us, when you get above 30 years old, you don't want to date someone, if you're not married, whose income is going down, right? That's probably not the person to partner with in your life. But if the person is kind and you're attracted to them, and they're a good cook, and they're charming and interesting, and their income is rising, that would make a better partner because you want to marry someone whose income is rising as your income is rising so you can have a better life together.
Well, in the stock market, it's something similar. If I am constantly buying stocks whose revenues are rising and the market likes it, I have a shot at wealth as a Visa Apple shareholder. That's called investing because you're investing in company whose revenue is rising. What a lot of people do is they go out and they buy a some no-name stock with no history of revenue, and they say, I have a feeling the stock will rise. Well, feelings are for your personal life and your relationship, not for your money, right? So when you get in the habit, wealth is a series of positive habits, when you get in the habit of buying companies with good revenue, your investment rises. But very often these investments in these Dow stocks can rise faster than the value of real estate. Therefore, you're getting richer faster. Does that make sense? I love it. And I think about the fact that many people, many Americans, you would say, have a 401k plan. What's what's currently wrong with the traditional way of thinking? What's currently wrong with this system? And Or maybe if there's not something wrong, what can people change about the way they're currently investing by default now to maximize their profits? We're taught through billions of dollars of marketing that we don't know how to pick stocks. So we should turn our money over to someone else who's, I guess, brilliant, right? And I don't want to name the companies, but there are companies out there that spend billions of dollars in ads in the Super Bowl convincing you that, aha, they know how to choose these Dow 30 stocks, but you couldn't possibly look at a five-year chart of Microsoft or Visa or McDonald's and follow the stock up. You can't do that. This is a little too complicated. So what happens is when it comes to our retirement, we turn that money over to somebody else because we don't have the financial education in the stock market. And we go, I hope that they know what, I, what they're doing instead of me actually just choosing these Dow stocks on my own, right? So we've been programmed through advertising and marketing that they're the smart people. We work, we turn money over to them, right? Which I have found most people trade and invest better once they have the education than the guy or girl who they turn their money over to. So there again is a shift in mindset because if you really understood how much wealth is really generated in the stock market, you wouldn't turn your money over to somebody else who's charging you a fee to choose stocks that you could choose on your own. But without that education, it looks like they are somehow smarter than you are. Now, here's the thing that fascinates me. They went to the fourth grade. They learn how to count to 10. You probably went to the fourth grade. You learn how to count to 10. Take that education, apply it to the stock market, and your life will change. Boom. I love it. I love it. That's beautiful advice. And, you know, I want to walk down your path and your journey a little bit further. I want to get back into that and kind of talk about how things have transpired and maybe walk all the way up to, uh, until present day. What are you currently doing? What does your business consist of? And I know you have, you know, you, you do education, but your, pr- your primary business is still stock trading and you do real estate. So, so just talk about how everything is encompassed and then how you're still able to operate your businesses and live what we like to call lifestyle design because you just told me you spend half of your time. So half of your time in LA and Malibu and half of your time in New York. Talk about the ultimate lifestyle design that you've been able to build that you've been able to build because of your businesses. Okay. So once you have the mechanics of a wealth building machine, right? You're going to build that. If your desire is there, you're going to build that machine over and over. So all I did was design my, my life. And I know it sounds weird to say all I did, but I got to a point where I was generating, oh, let me just make one other point. Wealth, what I discovered, and I can say this have been raised by a single mother. Wealth is really about more residual income in your life. 
right? You're never going to get financial freedom or most people don't get financial freedom working for a job, right? You need something that has the potential of generating $10,000, dollars $60,000 $60, a month because that capital that's coming in, you can take and you can invest in something else that's going to grow that money. So that's number one is that shift in mindset that uh, trading time for dollars at a job is not going to make you rich. It, you'll make a living, but you won't get rich. So you need something that reduces, produces residual income. Uh, there's a stat- strategy in the stock market called cover calls. And all it does is produce weekly residual income for me and my students week after week after week without leaky pipes, by the way. So I love cover calls for that. So what I decided was I need to get to five to $10,000 a week trading in the stock market. And then why would I, so now I have the residual income, why would I want to live in one place? And so I was always running backwards and forwards to LA, New York, because at the time, by the way, I spent 30 years doing commercials as a a performer. So I decided I loved New York and LA. And as luck would have it, I wound up at a friend's house in Malibu, you know, all these multi-million dollar homes. And I was like, I'm going to live here somewhat someday. So I figured out how much it took to live in Malibu and have a house in New York. And so I started trading with that intention in mind to hit that goal. And while I was trading, since I was spitting out so much residual income or the market was giving me so much residual income, it was easy to go from $10,000 a week to $20,000 a week. And then I realized if I took this money and I started a business, like the business would kick even more income and I would just be in this cycle. So I started uh, some small businesses that did really well. Most of them were around teaching. And then in the past couple of years, I got into buying bricks and mortar businesses, right? So things like recording studios and a bunch of other businesses that I was very familiar with and I could grow them and and that would be even more capital. So the money just started to grow over and over and over and over again. And that led to even other businesses. So now, in addition to um, teaching people how to trade stocks, I also own a media company, which generates hundreds of thousands of dollars in digital revenue in subjects that most people don't even associate with me. I learned how YouTube worked. So I just launched a whole digital division just on YouTube. And and it essentially grows out of the idea that wealth is a series of positive habits. But my core way that I make money is trading in the stock market. So it's as if the stock market gives me money to go out and buy other things that just make a lot of money. And so all I have to do is pick a dollar amount. I like monthly goals. Right? Like, what is my goal? Do I want this business to earn $100,000 a month? Do I want this business to earn $500,000 a month? And without getting to the whole system, because I know we're going to run out of time, I'll just say this. Most businesses need an online component, right? Because if I were, you know, in a bricks and mortar business and I found out there's a way for me to deliver a similar product to the entire world online, I want to add that digital component to the business. So I buy businesses that I can digitize, is the way that I describe them, and then I hire other people to run them according to my philosophy. And it's not always easy, but it sure is a lot of fun most days. So the principles that I think are most important to go from, you know, to reach millionaire status is A, you have to start getting in the habit of 
residual income. Then you want businesses that produce residual income without you having to show up. You hire somebody else to run them. And then you add that online component so you can reach the entire planet. And that all is powerful. And then you recycle that money back into the stock market and you stay in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and some other techniques and you write cover calls. And all of a sudden you're in a system. You're just in a system of making hundreds of thousands of dollars per month. And that system ideally is never really going away. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. And this (laughs) that you've been able to add to us, Tyrone. So I appreciate your time. And I think about residual income. And I want to end with this before we get to the last and final round, but I think about residual income. And I think about, as you said, there, there you can be a landlord. You don't want to be landlords. We, we want to focus on those ways of investing that do produce passive income, that do produce residual income in ways that we don't have to directly be involved. So whether that's investing in apartment buildings, whether that's investing in REITs, whether that's investing uh, with partners, whatever it is, but we want to have that same type of lifestyle design that many people in the stock market are able to have. Now, when you talk Talk about residual income. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something that comes in passively every single month without question or with very little question? So we're talking about maybe, you know, tenants that pay later and things like that, but it comes in every single month. And I want to speak to that fact with stocks really quick because I know that certain stocks do pay dividends, but are you able to build up, you know, your residual income similar in real estate to where, you know, in the few short years, you can get to that 5K or that 10K a month goal that, you, you know, you're making at work so that you can leave your job. Is there a similar system in which you're able to do that with stock market investing to where you have what is actual residual reoccurring revenue? Yes, but you have to have a financial education in order to do it, period. All I have to say, all wealth is taught, right? You don't know what you don't know until someone comes into your life and says, let me show you this system. And you go, wow, without that system, it was all a mystery. There's a system in the stock market. All of your listeners should be selling covered calls. Why? Covered calls is like renting out a stock and getting paid for it, right? So if I buy 100 shares of XYZ stock, I find someone in the marketplace and I say, hey, would you be willing to buy this stock at a higher price? They say, yes, this all happens in your online trading account. And I'm taking a residual income from that stock. If the stock hits the price that they want, known as the strike price, they're going to buy the shares from me. I make money for selling the shares. And this form of residual income, I can do on a monthly basis, a week or a weekly basis. It's all a matter of getting that financial education, changing your mindset, your belief system, and most importantly, getting outside of your comfort zone. You want to be rich? You have to be willing to be uncomfortable for a certain period of time And that's how you're introduced to a brand new world, right? So you have to be uncomfortable to get comfortable to get the financial education to move on. Why? Because wealth is a series of positive habits. I love that. I love that. And I always say it doesn't matter what vehicle you use, quite frankly. I mean, whether you're using an insurance vehicle, a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, real estate, gold, precious metals, the vehicle doesn't necessarily matter. It's all about what's between your ears. It's all about getting the education. It's all about mitigating risk by learning exactly what it is that you're doing. Inherently, I don't think any of these vehicles are more risky than another vehicle. I think it's the education that's behind the individual who's invested in these vehicles. So start with the money mindset, get educated in the craft that you want to pursue and go after that. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. Love it. And that book is a 
favorite on here. So you guys definitely check that out. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Oh man, I'm not huge on apps. I don't know. I just go to the CNBC website and track stocks. I hope that qualifies. I love it. So download the CNBC app. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Oh my God, food that I can eat anything at any restaurant in any city that I want. And it's tax deductible because my corporation pays for it. I love it. I love it. That is probably at the top of the list for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Education. If I wanted to make a million dollars on YouTube, I knew I was not going to be going out on the weekends. I was going to be taking courses on YouTube and going to live events. If I wanted to get better as a real estate manager, I would have to study somewhere. So I was not going out on the weekends where everybody was at the beach and playing around. I was willing to put in that time. If I wanted to make millions online, I had to learn how Google worked and YouTube. So I'm willing to put in the time to study to hit every single goal that is important to me. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? My father, my mother and my father did not live together, but my father spent his whole life getting money for minority businesses in the form of government grants. So I used to hear him talk about millions a lot. And I was curious as to come, how come he didn't have any. And uh, as much as I loved him, I know I didn't want to be the guy who talked about millions, but didn't have any millions. So, and plus he was really loving at the same time. So definitely my father. Awesome. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Fear. Most people fear what they don't know. And I've been on your show and I thank you for this time. I've talked about, you know, the stock market and most people fear it. Why? They have no education. Fear and negativity. We also listen to people. Sometimes we take their advice and they're struggling. Right. So like who is around you really matters. And that's what's so great about this show is it gives people exposure to people who might not necessarily be in their everyday world, but who've expanded beyond fear and had a major shift in their consciousness. Yeah, I love that. Perfectly said. Um, This has been phenomenal. And I've taken so many notes and I have so many things to go look up. I've heard about the type of uh, stock trading that you that you just referred to. I definitely have to look into that myself. I definitely suggest that the listeners look into that themselves. Anybody wants to get a hold of you, learn a little bit more about you, learn about some of the products and the offerings that that you have on on your site. Where can they find some of this information? at? I basically have a free gift for everybody listening right now. All you have to do is go to thewealthyinvestor.net thewealthyinvestor.net and download the free Trading Stocks for Wealth ebook. That'll give you the free education that you need to learn how to trade in the stock market. Some of my most successful students started out as real estate investors and learned that they can make even faster money in the stock market. And I'll just say this, wealth is not either this or that. Wealth is both and. So it is possible to be very successful in real estate and be very successful in the stock market because the universe wants you to have it all, right? Not just choose one avenue. That's 
limiting. So we want to be able to have it all. So in the end, we can turn around and help other people. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. Again, everything that we discussed on the show will be in the show notes of this episode. I just want to thank you again for the service that you provided, not only to our listeners, but that you provide on a daily basis. Tyrone, this is simply spectacular. And I've learned a lot from you. I hope the listeners have as well. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 